I'd love to ask you to tell me a little bit about what you have learned about your practices of magic. I'm Autumn Brown, a queer science fiction writer, a theologian, a mother of dragons, and a healing justice facilitator for social movements living in Minneapolis. And I'm Adri Marie Brown, a writer, student of miracles and love, emergent strategist and pleasure activist paying rent in Detroit. And this is How to Survive the End of the World. Our podcast about learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. Ah, here we are, sister. How are you? Hi, yes. So today I am um, dealing with the repercussions of a food related mistake that I made last Ooh. night. Um, I elected to eat something that I shouldn't have eaten at a time I shouldn't mm. have been eating. And um, <laughs> I've, I've been living with that mistake for the last like 12 hours. And, <laughs> and I knew, I knew it was a mistake and then it's continued to be a mistake. So far today, I've only been able to ingest a salad and only because I was, I, it was like the, I desperately feel like I need to eat. And also the idea of eating makes me want to die. So oh. I will eat a salad. So I did, I did eat a salad. And then other than that, salad. I've just been drinking. The death of food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> eating coffee um, and water, or I guess drinking those things. Um, so I'm doing fine. I'm fine. Um, but I'm definitely. Can I just ask a question though yeah was it stuff that had waited too long and should not be eaten no or was it something it that was, was just like it was cooked fresh not. but it was just something that my body has like repeatedly let me know over the last couple of years like bitch you can't anymore stop so you can't eat this anymore <laughs> i'm actually no, I'm, I'm gearing Thank up you. for a sugar cleanse um, okay. so I'm, I'm planning to start the beginning of next week to just do like a really, um, yeah, a detox and I haven't done one of Can those I join you? in years. Yes. Yeah. I'm starting mm. on, yes, I'm starting on, yes. the, on October 5th. <laughs> um, so you Should are, we get the gang together? Should we tell the sugar cleanse people? Yeah. Or? Let's, let's, let's inform okay. the group. And say, I'm using the, <laughs> the ancient document, the one that I discovered all those years ago by Rose somebody. Oh, you still have it? I still, I, well, I went, what I did was I went into the group and I searched oh, for it man. because I knew that someone had posted it somewhere. And it turns out mom had made a photocopy of it. And so I was able to download that. Isn't mom the best? And um, laminate it. And so now I'm about to be doing the thing. Again, and I'm ready. Like Wait, I feel like you laminated it. Um, well, okay, I didn't laminate it. My boo la laminated it because my that boo, like boo is a laminator, has a laminator, and laminates things regularly. Um, All right. If y'all want to print me one and laminate it and send it to you, 
yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would that would that would soothe my soul. It's so good. <laughs> it's such a good way to make sure that you don't lose things is lamination. Um so yeah, so I feel like I'm I'm heading into the fall with some um with just some plans to really give my body the attention and care that it deserves. Um because I'm I'm just been um yeah, kind of stuck in some um ruts in terms of not really being able to like adequately care for my body and then feeling experiencing lots of different physical impacts from that you know I had to start going to physical therapy back in August because of having like really persistent leg pain like pain all up and down my legs that was like actually coming from my back but it was showing up in my legs um so yeah so I'm Hmm. I'm trying to move my myself I feel like I've reached the point in the in the pandemic where it's like okay I'm I'm pulling up kind of looking around and being like all right I'm not in crisis right now I I myself personally am no longer in a state of crisis which means that I can actually do some tending um yes yeah so that's that's the that's the moment that I'm at but it's like because I'm not or not I'm not active on the the new path yet <laughs> my body is still feeling um ignored how are you? I can see clearly now a path ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so let's see. How am Adrian? How am um, Adrian? How am Adrian doing? Well, one thing I want to note is you will, you can probably hear Nalito in the background. Um, Nalito is burrowing right now. And <laughs> for some reason, when I get on to do podcast recording or like major Zoom events, They'll be quiet. They're 22 hours of the day. They're quiet. But when I'm doing that, that's when they show up. And they're like, you know what's nice? The noise I can make. <laughs> and it's literally the only noise I can make. It's the only noise I make. <laughs> and that and this little, now they started doing this little like, <laughs> thing where they're like, if you pick them up and they weren't in the mood to be picked up, they started to, to make a sound of no. Oh, wow. Like, but it sounds like a little hiss and it's really sweet. And then I'm like, okay, turtle, I'm going to put you down. You let me know when you're ready to go to the bathroom because that's not going to happen in your house. Um, so, <laughs> but actually, yeah, the quality of my life right now, I've been in caretaker mode for the past few days. I've been in like an intense level of caretaker mm-hmm. mode. Um, there were some needs and I was like the person mm-hmm. I have, I really, um, I really do feel like my caretaker self is my best self. Like when you put that cape on. A, mm. Exactly. Right. It's like, this is the cape, um, or the frumpy house dress <laughs> for me, which is what I put on. It's like, Oh, am I in care mode? <laughs> Hold on. Let me get the frumpy house dress because that's <laughs> the only way I'm going to do this is if I have this dress on. Mm. And, um, and then I wear that dress and sweatpants for like however many days the intensity <laughs> lasts. Um, and I know that the care time is done when I'm ready to wash the dress. So I feel like uh, I know the no, exact but, dress you're talking about. I'm literally still wearing it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have a couple. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've been in caretaker mode and it is really my best self. And it's really interesting for me to notice that 
at this ripe age that I I really do appreciate the self that comes out when I'm like, someone needs me and they need me in very tangible mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And I can I can do this. And something calm, like whatever, you know, there's still the whole world full of anxieties. But when I'm in care mode, it's like all of that gets put into the place it belongs on the priority list in a way. And it's like, I can't resolve all of those things, but I can stay calm and be really present for this person that I love who needs me right now mm-hmm. or this turtle that I love or child, which I guess is also a person in a way. Um, <laughs> so that's how I'm doing. Um, I, and I want to say I'm right there with you in the body place. I really feel like I've been reflecting on, um, you know, the first few months of the pandemic, I was really just like, it's a pandemic. Like I can do whatever I want to do. I can eat whatever I want to eat. Like I'm surviving. It's fine. And my favorite person on Instagram, uh, Elsa Majimbo, we, we talked about her last time. Yeah. But she has this thing. She's like, I really wanted to come see you, but oh pandemic yeah. <laughs> i wanted to have you to my house but oops pandemic i wanted to meet up but ooh, it's a pandemic i would have let you come to my house but like oh pandemic <laughs> and i felt like that like i wanted to eat healthy and exercise but ooh, oh pandemic, pandemic. <laughs> right <laughs> like, i'm just like um i can't so i think now i'm landing into the long term the longevity of pandemic mm-hmm. and And just like, oh, I want to feel really good in my body. That's my goal right now. Yeah. I want to feel good in my body. And there's choices I make that feel good in my mouth. (laughs) So what I'm trying to do. Exactly. (laughs) All of the above. Um, But yeah, there's choices I make that just feel good in my mouth. There's also choices that just feel good in my mind. Right. right? That even as you're eating it, you're like. Even as I'm eating or smoking or whatever, taking that in, I'm just like, this isn't what I thought in my mind. (laughs) Like, Like sometimes in my mind, I'm like, I need a drink. And then I go and I get the drink. And even in my mouth, I'm like, this is kind of like burns and doesn't really taste that great and then I don't get the feeling on the other side that I thought I would get which is like now I feel like I'm on a vacation sex in the city or something like (laughs) none of that happens I'm just like now I just feel kind of even lower energy now I'm just tipsy in my house um, or same with like getting high you know like there's times I'm like I want to get high but what I mean is when I was 22 and first got high and I was like, the world is made of unicorns and magic. And now it's much more like, mm, it's time to go to bed. The world <laughs> you know? is made so. of pain and suffering. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the world actually doesn't need this much attention. Right. So, um, <laughs> so that's what's going on over here. Um, mm. and I'm really excited. Actually, the sugar cleanse feels like it might be right on time for me. Um, and, but also just like, I'm doing a pendulum practice in my body. Like every time I go to eat, every time I go to get anything, I've been really dropping in like, what do I really want? Mm. What does my body really need right now? Mm-hmm. So now, right now I have soup and a smoothie. And that was like, I first went to the fridge, like, let me get out a frozen pizza and heat that up. Right. But I stood in front of the fridge and I was like, hold up. Self, 
do you want to move towards the pizza? Right. And they were like, no, no. <laughs> it's going to be so sad immediately. I was like, oh, okay, good data, good data, good data. Salami? No, good data, good data, good data. Ice cream? No, good data, okay. How about soup? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. soup, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we're having soup. Um, so sister, sistre, I think I want to hear what you're upset about. Mm. <laughs> Is it time for the flume it's of rage? It's time for the flume of rage. What? what? The flume of rage. The flume of rage! The flume of I wanted to aim for something light, and so what I came up with, but it does upset me quite a lot, is when people, <laughs> when people are on social media and they give themselves a name that looks just like a famous person's name, but then if you look closer, there's like one added letter or one, you know, a, the number sign or something. So what happens is you're scrolling through your mentions or your likes or whatever, and it says, Bad Gal Riri likes you. And you're like, what? <gasps> and then you look closer, and it's like, that's not Bad Girl Riri one. <laughs> Riri one. Exactly, right? Um, or Mariah Carey liked you or whatever. So there's all, I don't know. And these aren't like bot accounts. Because I got so upset that I clicked through. And I was like, who does this? And it's just people who seem to think this is funny. Like maybe they closely align with. There's nothing on the page that's like even Riri-like. So then I'm just like, so you have, you're not, you're not the same background. You're not a musician. You don't, you're not savage. You're not Fenty. Like there's nothing here that I You're not even promoting anything. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't think you've ever started any businesses or released any albums. (sighs) And like, I don't know, you're not even from the Caribbean. Like there's just nothing here to connect you to this person. And so it just, I don't know, it just upsets me. I'm like, you know, my preference in general would be, because I don't have a great memory, my preference would be that people just put their own name on social media. And then I can be like, oh, you, a person I know with a name that I recognize. Yeah. That person. Yeah. And candles do so make I already things feel like, challenging. It's like, I don't, oh I don't fully understand. It, I will say, too, that it feels like handles, like a Twitter handle or an Instagram handle, they feel like um, uh, a holdover from an earlier version of the internet. Where it yes, made sense, AOL. AOL, where it made sense for whatever set of reasons to be able to anonymize your presence in like a chat space or whatever. Um, exactly. But it's like it's Instagram. It's all pictures. Like you're only posting pictures. And for mo- the way most people are using Instagram is they're only posting pictures exactly. of their own life. Like exactly. you're only gonna be like. Con- most or likely connecting with other people who know you. Like, why do yes. you have a handle <laughs> that's that not your name? That makes it mysterious, you know. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I know, I'm sure there's great reasons, and there's, I'm sure there is. We're not why. thinking of something. But for me, yeah, I'm like, I'm missing something. But I know that it has gotten so complex now that I'm like, I'm just over here on Twitter, and I wanna, I wanna tag you. 
I want to tag somebody, but I can't remember <laughs> your handle and I can't find you and I'm getting mad. So that actually, that's a separate flume, but that's... that also makes me really upset is I'm like, if your name's not close enough that it pops up when I go to plug in, like, I want to tag this person, <laughs> then you're not, you're being, you're being unhelpful to yourself. Really. <laughs> so, you know, there's some folks who have made it work. Like I respect you know, like Miriam Kaba is like prison culture and I just, it, it sticks. Like I remember that that's who that is. Right. Or Malkia is culture Jedi. And I just remember, cause I'm like, they, that's true. Right. right? So there's some, that's there's a identity. few that really stick. Yes. I'm like that lands, but I don't know. For the most people, I'm like, I just, I need it to be your name. And I, and if it's not your name, I need it to not be Beyonce's name. Like I just need it to just- be your name. That's not going to cause me a, uh, to have a, a the wrong reaction to who you actually are. Yeah. I can be pleased by your like without being like swung on this roller coaster. So that's my rage. Okay. That's, How about you, sister? I appreciate you keeping a light also. That's nice. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I needed a little light week. Yeah. I'm I'm honestly drawing a blank right now. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> I did go and watch that Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. Um, oh, you didn't mention it. Do you recommend? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I, I think it's, it's a useful, there's a lot about the way the documentary is structured that I think is actually like not great. Um, okay. There's, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, you know, they, they make some narrative choices in the documentary that are like very bizarre. Like mm. they create a sort of like, in addition to the narratives that you're hearing from these various people who worked in tech and um, <clears throat> and helped invent many of the platforms that people utilize now, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, Pinterest, those things. So it's those uh-huh. folks who like who were involved in laying the groundwork for those things or developing some of the algorithms or whatever coming forward and t- speaking the truth about what these platforms do and how these platforms orient to like what is the actual financial value of the information on the platforms and what is the information that's being sold um and like that and it's very very useful it's useful I think the utility of this documentary is that you're hearing it from the people who actually participated in creating these systems you know, right. that's the part that makes it interesting. Um, <clears throat> there's a there's a thread in the documentary where they are where they create a sort of fake family um, who's acting out like what are the impacts of this social media? What are the impacts of social media and how we engage in it on family life? Um, uh-huh. And unfortunately, like none of the acting is strong and oh. um the storyline that they invent isn't particularly compelling with those characters. And so it just feels, Mm. it falls really, the whole thing falls really flat and isn't nearly as engaging as the individuals themselves who are speaking about, um, about their experiences inside the tech industry. Um, it's almost all white men. There's like one, there's a f- like three women who speak over the course of three or four women who speak over the course of the entire documentary. Only one of Jesus. whom is a woman of color. 
Um, there's maybe only like and two. And is that just like reflective of who was? It's very, on the very floor reflective. I think of like the tech industry, mm-hmm. and I, and there's, and mm-hmm. I think unfortunately there's very there's some there's a little bit of analysis that's like put forward about like you know, look who it is who's making these decisions that are impacting the way two million, two billion or more people are interacting with one another. Um, so they are they're, they are naming and honoring the fact that like, yep, it's a small crew of like white guys in their 30s and 40s or sometimes even younger than that in Silicon Valley who are making decisions that are literally reshaping the social relationships of billions of people on the planet. Um, but there's no there's no like systems analysis inside of Got the it. documentary around like why that might be a problem. And then it, it kind yes. of lands with this like it kind of it feels like it's it's um, it's centering the narrative of one tech industry guy in particular who is trying to create this whole new process called humane tech. And so it ends up feeling a little bit like a commercial for his work. Um, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> I do think like I think it's worth watching. I think there's other really important work that a lot of people have been doing, like, you know, like Bex, who we featured on the podcast back in the spring Um, or like my best friend Alexis has created this whole musical around like surveillance and social media. Like there's there's a lot of really interesting work that people. My best friend is writing a book about the Internet. Say again. OMG. I said one of my best friends. One of my best friends, because I have 12, is writing a book about the internet. Oh, wow. I love cool. that. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, alignments. you know, I feel like there's a lot of people who, who have analysis that I trust who are also engaging in conversations about this with a power analysis, which is what matters, which I is what I find really important. But I do think like... <clears throat> I left I left watching that documentary certainly with the feeling that I think that the documentary intends to produce in anyone who watches it which is like this is an emergency it's like a social emergency and uh-huh. <laughs> like the way what social media is and what it's the what it is causing the erosion that it's causing in civil society and in social relationships is an actual emergency. And in some ways it's what, it's what helps us make sense of the electoral moment that we're in. You know, it's like we, we don't get to a point where someone like Trump is running for elected to the presidency and then up for reelection without, without the way social media has reshaped information. And they make that point, I think, exactly. really, really effectively. Yeah. So that's, good. that's I guess, the closest I mean, thing really I can get to a point out the part. That's floomy. I mean, it's, it's like, it's one of those things that's so overarching <laughs> that it's like being, it's when you're like, I have to be mad at something that's really, really massive. Yeah. Um, because it's like we have a troll for president and a bunch of trolls being activated around that. Right. And that is definitely a social media outcome. <laughs> it is. It one hundred percent is. And and that it feels like it feels enraging in as much as um there is it feels overwhelming to consider how to how to interv like what is the point of inf- intervention in that yeah. system. I'd love to ask you to tell me a little bit about what you have learned about 
your practices of magic and if you identify as a witch or not and um, and and particularly how your magic has been moving you through this period of our history. Well, I think um, <clears throat> I think what happened for me in part was that I had a lot of people in my life who would reflect back to me that I seemed to have a lot of magical power, you know, that I had the um, and I think, I think the thing that was most clear to me is that from early on was that my words were very powerful, that if I, if I yeah. spoke something aloud or if I spoke something to someone else that I, I often found myself intentionally or not really influencing other people's, um, you know, lives, decisions, major choices, um, sometimes just by telling my own story, I found that I would, I was, I was shaping the way that other people were sort of seeing their own lives or their own arcs. Um, and obviously that's a power that I leverage in a very intentional way in my work, right? I, as a facilitator, I use my, my, special superpowers of communication and synthesis to shape conditions for people to have transformative experiences and to shape the conditions of visionary possibility in, in spaces where folks have been feeling really stuck or didn't think that there was another way to do something, you know, so in a way I've been utilizing those superpowers Um, for a long time but I think what started to happen was that in my personal relationships I was getting a lot reflected back to me of like I think that I think you might be a witch or (laughs) I think Uh like uh I think you seem to like be very magical or you seem to really be very (laughs) powerful or I just feel something different when I'm around you Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And I was very, you know, I'm, I think that something that maybe a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know about me is that I'm a very pragmatic person. Like, I'm not a very... Extremely. Say again? Extremely. Extremely, yeah. And I'm not, like, I'm not, um, I'm not a particularly wooey person, you know, and um, I'm very analytical, and so it took me a long time to even consider <laughs> exploring some of this stuff. You know, like I, I came from a like a lineage of like theological study and uh, having a very analytical approach to questions of spirituality, spirit, God, divinity, all those things. Um, and and yet there is something that moves in me that I do understand is not about my brain and how my brain is understanding the world. Um, so, um, you know, it was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago that I was gifted my first tarot deck, um, and started using the tarot and finding that I was, um, not only like uh, I, I could connect really deeply with the tarot 
um, not only for myself, but for others. Like I could do readings for others and not even know the question that they were asking and still produce very transformative results in like a reading for others. Um, and that was, that was part of how I started really tuning in and understanding that like, Oh, there, this is real, you know, like (laughs) something's happening, you know? Um, um, and I think it was around that same time (laughs) that I started to, um, take astrology more seriously as well. Uh, just mm-hmm. it, part of it was just turning my gaze and looking at the work of actual astrologers, right? Not like pop astrology, yeah. but folks like Channing Nicholas <laughs> and, you know, folks who are actually like, you know, operating inside this like thousands of year old um, spiritual tradition. Um, yes. And so all those things were sort of setting me on a path, right? Yes. But... I, I, but I kept feeling this, like when folks would say, like, I think you're a witch, I would feel there was always like some resistance that would come up in me around it. Um, <clears throat> and then I had a couple of experiences where I attempted to cast a spell and my spell would backfire in a really terrible way. Right. Like what I found, what I found particularly (laughs) between 2014 to um, 2019 was that anytime I would intentionally cast a spell, meaning set an intention and use elements and call on the powers of the universe to manifest the thing that I wanted, um, I would get it at an enormous cost. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's not that I wasn't, it's not that my spells weren't effective. They were effective. They worked. (laughs) They worked, (laughs) but they often came at a, at an enormous cost to myself or to others. And the, the first time it happened, I remember just being like that, this is terrifying, you know? Yeah. Um, And then it happened a couple more times Particularly, I remember some some spells that I cast in 2018 and 2019 that really backfired. Um, and then I had this really. Trans- I feel like at this whole phase, I remember you being like, "Oh God, no!" Being like, uh, "No, no, uh, 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 uh. like, am I doing it wrong? I feel like I'm not doing it wrong." But and I keep getting the thing that I want, and then but I'm also something. But then something also happens that's traumatic, right? Um, yes. And um, and I remember having this really transformative conversation in the spring of 2019 um when I was you know in the depth of my like separation and divorce process um I remember this um this woman who was who is an artist and a psychic and an empath sitting down with me and saying to me um you, Autumn, are one of the most powerful empaths I have ever met in my life. But you are not a witch. And that's why your spells keep <laughs> backfiring. <laughs> you are not someone who is intended to use the elements, right? That is, like, witches work with the elements. But that's not, what, that's not the that's spiritual or magical work of an empath. And so you just need to stop doing that. Like stop casting spells. That's not, that's not going to be good for your life. 
And I remember when she said that to me being like, oh. It's only funny in retrospect. It's only funny in retrospect, <laughs> truly. Because at the time it was like, at the time I was like, yeah. ah, like sobbing. But it was so true. You know what I mean? It was it was one of the truest oh. things that anyone had said to me. And so what I've been doing yes. in the time since then is really leaning into, okay, um, you know, not being a witch doesn't mean that I have to entirely discard uh spiritual practices that people associate with witchcraft right like I still love to engage with tarot um I still use my pendulum practice like I use there's all kinds of practices that I engage in but I'm trying to lean more into understanding that like my the magic that I have is operates without the use of elements and is very much the magic of like intuition, empathy, and emotional connection. And that's where my, Uh, that's uh where my, the energy of learning about how to use my magic appropriately and responsibly, that's where I kind of need to put it. So that's my, that's my story about how I figured out that I was not a witch. (laughs) <laughs> I would love to hear your story about how you figured out that you mm. were. Cause I have a memory. I have a memory of you standing in my kitchen and this was like three or four years ago, but I remember of you standing in my kitchen being like, I think I might be a witch or a priestess, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember that moment. It was, it was longer than that. It was, um, I think it might have been a decade ago no it wasn't that long ago because it was um it was when I was still living at Hermit Pond oh yes mm-hmm. it was Hermit Pond mm-hmm. because well I'm trying to piece it together because around the time that I was having that question I reached out to Alexis Pauline Gums and I was like do you know if I'm a witch or a priestess <laughs> and um and you know I'd, I'd been asking people because all my life from very, very early on, I had been aware that I could cast spells and that something happened when I put my intention Mm. with my words, like that something was happening. Um, And I've, I'm also, I think of myself as also being fairly pragmatic, but in a different way. Like I'm pragmatic about magic. Like, I'm just like, if it works for me, I don't question it. Yeah. <laughs> and if it doesn't work for me, I don't fucks with it. Right. You know, right. like there's plenty to go around. I've never found it useful to deny the the magical or the presence of magic, the presence of the spiritual, the presence of that which we cannot see. Right. And so I feel like I didn't have that particular hurdle to jump over that a lot of people have. Right. Where they're just denying completely that any interdependent <laughs> invisible connection is there and so then it makes it very hard for them to actually access the magic that they have um but i remember being in that question in many periods of my life so in college there was a whole period where i was like huh mm-hmm. there's something something there's something connecting me but i can't quite figure out what it is and then for a period in my 20s i really thought it was like related to the, the state that I could get to through drug use that I was like, well, <laughs> I know that if I am on ecstasy, I can understand how everything is connected and all wired for joy and pleasure. And like, maybe that's my magic is doing drugs. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> it's like, if I just do those, then I'll do those on behalf of the world. Um, I'm doing so, <laughs> drugs for you. I'm doing this ecstasy for all of you because you're miserable <laughs> and I will just feel all the joy. Um, so <laughs> then I feel like in my 30s is when it really started to click in, like there's something else happening and I can't just call it facilitation. I can't just call it um, prayer. I can't just call it, I can't just casually call it spell casting. There's something that's wanting to move through me and I need to be accountable and responsible to it. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to Alexis and she was like, you know, because you are a mixed lineage, you have multiple lineages that you're drawing from, it's quite possible that you have elements of both. Mm-hmm. And it was really helpful to hear that and to be reminded that a lot of the ways we speak about these things are dependent on the lineages that we come from. And so being be, calling it a priestess, calling it a shaman, calling it a witch, calling it different things, calling it a medicine person, calling it a healer, you know, the benefit of having traveled and having been in touch with a lot of different kinds of people is that I am like, I hear from people common traits that they attached to very different words Mm. right and so I feel like what I am which feels good to me which feels natural to me and I use a lot of the things of a witch so I do the tarot which I started in 2012 in a big way it was like I'm pulling tarot every day and I love it and I cast spells through my writing mostly but I also do some like spells where it's, it's writing and then putting the putting something into an element. So I do like binding spells in the freezer or burial spells or putting stuff um, into moonlight to charge up. And I use crystals. I use pendulums. Um, I do dream interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've started really channeling and lately allowing myself more often to get into a trance state. Um, through singing and chanting and allowing myself to just like unhook from this time, drop into something that feels like a more expansive space time um, and see what wisdom is waiting for me there. So the word witch feels good to me and I don't feel like bound by it. Like I don't feel like it's all inclusive. Um, I feel like it's like this is a way that I can easily say to people (laughs) I do these things and I take them seriously. And I think that's the other part of it is taking seriously because I think for a long time I downplayed it. You know, I was just like, ooh, little witchy stuff. I'm going to just throw this over here. Right. <laughs> um, and because I really, you know, for such a long time wanted to be taken seriously by serious people. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think I held back so much of my power because I was so concerned with being taken seriously by serious people. And now I see that seriousness, like I I feel like, oh, I need to take seriously what comes through me. And the people I'm thinking of as the serious people, they're taking seriously what's coming through them, which is an analytical mindset, a logic mindset, a mathematical mindset in some cases, um, a historical mindset. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all of that is actually really, really important. It's just not my serious gift. Right. And right. if I want to be in right relationship with those people, it can only be as myself. So as myself, I have really been tapping into my power in a very different way. And last year, 
Last year when I was doing the immersions, something, a different level of magic unlocked in me, a different level of knowing and interconnectedness. Um, and it was a very distinct, like, it wasn't there. And, and then we were in a circle and I felt it flowing through my whole system and it was there. And it was something that I had previously tapped into, like I said, while I was on ecstasy or while I was on mushrooms or something else, but I had never felt it in a sober state. Wow. And when it kicked in, it was like, I can access this anytime I want to. And it's quite possible anyone could access this. So that's the piece that I'm really curious about now is like, is this available? Like, is the thing I'm feeling available to everyone? Mm. Do I have a language for it? Can it be um, articulated through somatic language? Can it be articulated through Reiki language? Can it be articulated in some way? Right. Or is this something that's distinct from my gifts and that I need to then harness and figure out? So generally my practice is let me do my own shit first and like let me make sure I understand it. Um, so I'm in that phase and who knows how long that'll last. But where I feel like I'm, I had a, a spiritual worker tell me that I had been ice fishing into my power, ice fishing into what I had to offer, mm. like kind of cutting a circle and like with the tarot and the pendulum and other things like ice fishing into power and that it's time to be the water. Ooh. Right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, dip. Oh, dip. And that the being oh, the dip. water comes more. <laughs> okay. Um Everyone needs to watch The Good Place. But that I needed to be more aligned with that that greater offering. Mm. And, you know, the greater offering. I think that being a good witch is like trying out all those different things or being a good empath or being whatever kind of spirit worker or kind of healer, whatever kind of magic you have. I really do think it's good to find, to follow the pendulum within you. Like what practices do you feel yourself moving towards and which do not interest you and then paying attention to the results like which practices actually yield the results that you want and which don't right when I enter a trance state often what comes through comes through like a spoken word poem now my logical mind is like I don't like spoken word poems but when I'm in the trance state (laughs) right that's trance me love spoken word (laughs) Trans me just actually is spoken word. So, you know, then I will. It's real. Yeah. Right. And like lately I'll be like, I'll make that offer. I'll be like, let me share this. You know, let me share this with people. Mm -hmm. And that's the stuff that people are like, thank God. You know, that was so helpful. It unwound something. It allowed me to do something, which is like, that's what I wanted. That's what it did for me. I do feel like, I do feel like that the, the, the path to connecting with your own magic is the path. It's also the path of learning what is true for you. What is true in a way that only you can understand that it's true. Right. It's for me, it's part of why the pendulum practice has been so useful because and for for our listeners who don't know what this is, um, a pendulum practice is literally working with, you know, some kind of chain or necklace or something that you can hold in front of you and let it swing back and forth as an actual pendulum. And then you you can ask the pendulum to show you what what direction it swings in or how it swings if you feel a yes. 
and how it swings if you feel a no. And it literally will swing differently based on whether you feel yes or whether you feel no. And then you can use that to help guide decisions. And so it's not like, and, and so you're basically like so much magic. It's like, you're, you're not, you're not looking for the answer from outside of yourself. You're using an object that's outside of yourself to help you understand and sense what is true inside yourself. And it's the same with the tarot, right? It's like, it's, these are, these are all various practices that are helping you tune in and understand like what is actually the most deeply true thing that's happening inside of me. And so it's, it's a path that is, you know, deeply internal, but the, the, uh, the impact of that of going through that deep internal work of finding what is your yes and what is your no can only have positive consequences ultimately in the world around you because the more you can be like in your resounding full body yes and in your resounding full body (laughs) no (laughs) the less likely you are to be um you know to be pushed to be cornered to have your yeah to have your time and energy drained and wasted to be you know engaging in work that's actually not fulfilling you and is causing you to like develop resentment and then act from that resentment against others around you you know it's like yes there's so many there's so many negative impacts that come from not knowing what our yes and our no is and only good things can come from really knowing deeply like what is my yes and what is my no ah I love that. And I love it too, because with almost all of the practices, I don't, I personally don't feel a need to delegate it out to some other, um, some other place. So sometimes I'm like, I'm speaking to the ancestors or I'm asking the universe, but I also understand all those things to be within me. I also understand a scientific process to be within me, you know, that I'm like, maybe I'm the one who's deciding which way the pendulum's going to swing, right? But right. I'm like, at some micro level, of course, that's what's happening. And it's serve, It's coming through some subconscious. It's coming through something that I have so far not been able to just access by being like, what do I want? This. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like something about <clears throat> externalizing the process helps me to really listen to what is true within me, Yes, which might be true because of who my ancestors were and how they're speaking now. And might be true because it's what is most aligned with the universe. But regardless, it works. It's true. It helps me. And, you know, in times like these, I feel so grateful for the plethora of practices that I can draw upon because there are so many moments where what's happening is too big to see it all clearly. So I don't have a clear like, boom, this is the direction. Here's the way to go, you know from the external world or from the factors that I can see, mm-hmm. it's just not clear enough. So I'm having to drop in and be like, oh, how do I ground myself in something that's bigger mm-hmm. than myself, but also deeply accessible through my body? And I feel like the direction I'm heading in is being able to feel it all in my body. Yeah. So I'm really tuning into like, what is my internal pendulum? What's my internal tarot? What's the internal guidance? What's the internal way that I know I can cast a spell because my body is every element, you know? So I'm really dropping into that, that like, 
each person is their own self-contained sacred temple institute. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's all there. Yeah. You can turn inward to worship, turn inward for guidance, right? And that feels like a very exciting, like, next level of practice. You know, if I look ahead, like, oh, here's where this is taking me. Mm. <sighs> so beautiful. And I mean, it, that's what you're drawing on, right? In those moments where you feel that power flowing through you. It's like yes. the, what you're what you're feeling, I would imagine, is that is that sacredness that is housed inside of all of the people in that space. And you're like touching it in those moments. Exactly. I mean, if you watched Fantastic Fungi, which I think every human should do, I watch any movie about fungi, any movie about mycelium, anything about interconnectedness. I, I look at it and I see, you know, sometimes they'll animate it with like golden light or they'll show you how the life force is moving through. And I feel that. <laughs> I feel like, oh, that's what it looks like. That's what's happening in any room that we're facilitating and holding. Right. That's what's happening in any time we're in a space with other people is all these tendrils and nexuses and pathways of energy are flowing between us. And some of them might be blocked. Our work is to clear them. Some of them might be unfocused and our work is to gather them. But all that's in motion and feeling for it is a different way of making it visible mm. and I'm like oh I can mm. feel that and now I know it's there I can't deny that it's there knowing that it's there I can actually begin to work with it and I love that it's all like my witchcraft there's nothing I do that is not also in some way backed by science and that arouses me that makes me excited yeah and I'm like totally this is actually the vibrational nature of the real world the the world that we think of as the real world this is what we have been trained away from seeing and understanding about our world. We're not all in these compartments of categorization. It's all interconnected mm-hmm. and we can move it all. So Beautiful. I well, love that. Speaking of witches. Um, yes. They're, oh, yes. Uh, one of our favorite <laughs> witches of, Top culture. of the 1900s has reemerged in a moment <laughs> of top culture um, that I think you should talk about. Top culture, top culture, top culture, top culture, top culture. I want to say that this has happened a couple of times now that something will come across my Instagram, my internet, my world of social media Mm -hmm. that will bring me so much My internet. Mine. (laughs) Only mine. Mine. It's mine. Um, So in my Instagram where something will come across and it'll be like um, the first time it happened, it was someone who was um, doing a marching band at marching band and it was like that's stevie nicks singing and this is perfect yes and that one had been like someone had put the two together like had taken this recording and dubbed stevie nicks's dreams over it right fleetwood Mac's dreams over it and and it was just like this perfect thing and so it happened again this past week where someone and several people sent it to me and this is another thing i appreciate about it my internet is like i feel like i've been clear enough about what i like that people are now like here you will like this you will and like it, this and it's true so this user who's on tiktok and instagram named dogface208 um is i think one of the best things that ever happened on the internet is this video of him skateboarding longboarding with a bottle of cran raspberry juice in one hand and filming with the other and dreams 
is playing by Fleetwood Mac. And then you you see the background. He's like on a freeway. So he's like on the side of a freeway. On a, freeway. On a sideway, sidewalk on the side of a freeway. And then he comes off the sidewalk onto the freeway. And he just then takes a drink of the drink. And then turns and faces the camera right as it's, It's only right that you should play it the way that you feel it. And he sings it into the camera. So where you were like, in case this was dubbed or someone like added the music later, it's like, no, somehow Dismo is riding on a skateboard, drinking a drink while filming himself while listening to dreams. On a freeway. And it's just the best thing of Matt. It was just like, unbothered. This is the mood. This is the way to be. And everything about it, he has the best like double feather tattoo on the back of his bald head. And he gives this little like, nod at the beginning everything about him is just peace yeah it's so peace he feels like a million people that i was friends with in oakland and in new mexico and other places i'm just like there's just there's just a southwest vibe there's just an energetic vibe there that stevie nicks has her voice taps me into that vibe anytime i hear it Mm. so the ultimate i was very very grateful magical for this video um Two other quick top culture things I want to throw in. Um, my 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 beloved Sufjan Stevens has released a new album, and it is um, like a transportation device to the divine. Like it is right. on a whole nother level. And particularly, the album is called The Ascension, and the title song, The Ascension, like put yourself in a room, light a candle, be alone put it on a good sound system and just put that song on and let it do what it needs to do. top culture is dad and I watched the movie underwater because mom was out of town and we were like well here's a scary movie it has almost no plot that you can really understand but these people are in a deep space no deep underwater place water starts coming into it and they have to decide to like walk across the ocean floor to try to get away and there's like alien monsters wow yeah I kind of want to watch it it, it needs I, I really enjoyed the watching of it as long as I just kept letting go of needing the plot holes to fill. Like it was just like, that's fine. That's Who fine. knows that's why? Fine. No, fine. Who cares? No. Why are they even down matter. there? Nobody cares. <laughs> Who cares? Like literally they're drilling. I don't know. But the monster is amazing and the scary is really scary. Okay, so, good. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I, me, I me and my boo have been basically exclusively <laughs> working through psychological thrillers and scary movies as like oh, our go way well of you. navigating the pandemic. <laughs> so I'm just going to add that to the list. Um, pandemic. <laughs> pandemic. Pandemic. <laughs> Hello, beloved listeners. This is Adrian. And 
Um, it's a few weeks later from when we recorded this, and so now we know that um, a lot of conjuring and organizing got us the popular vote, and we are in the window towards the Electoral College decision, and we don't want there to be a coup attempt there, and we want to keep moving life towards life. So if you are interested in helping with that on the level of conjure and binding, um, two things you can do. One is to write the names of the current administration on pieces of paper and put them into a bag of water and put that bag of water in your freezer. So that is a binding spell that freezes the kind of harm that they can do. And the second thing you can do is to actually conjure, ask the universe, tell the universe, please help us to make the decisions right now that are best for us and that will move us towards liberation, that will give us the ground that we can organize. So do your part. And if you're not witchy, you know, there's tons of organizing, tons of volunteering, tons of other work to do. Um, And even if you are witchy, you should do all of that too. All right. Love y'all so much. Let's get it done. Thanks for listening to our show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show. You can make a sustaining donation to our show by visiting our page at patreon.com slash end of the world show. Remember jingles? Another incredibly helpful thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are an iPhone person. Thank you. How to Survive the End of the World is produced and edited by the incomparable Zach Rosen, who is raising his brand new baby. Music for today's show comes from Tunde Alaniran and Mother Cyborg. (laughs) We did it. We did. I love you.